The, uh, the idea is to tell you a story while you're turning there so that there's not silence. <laughs> so when I was in middle school, I had a speech class, and uh, no one sat in the front. When I was in middle school, I had a speech class, and our teacher was, uh, I think, very good. But uh, she, she was always emphasizing, uh, you know, when you start a speech, you're supposed to have an attention getter, like a quote, or you, maybe you've heard this, like a quote or like a story or something. And um, uh, anyway, it was supposed to get their attention. And I really didn't want to be in this, this class. And uh, so on my first speech, uh, when I got up, it was my time to talk, I got up and I just said, um, hey, hey, hey! <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it got their attention, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, afterwards, you know, she says, it's not really what I, not really what I meant. Um, and, and I said, well, oh, okay, sorry, I, you know, I thought the point was to get them to listen or whatever. And uh, she said, yeah, that's right. And I, I remember thinking then that um, something that stuck with me, which is that, you know, that, I mean, there might be lots of ways to, to talk, but there's really only one way to listen. And um, Luke, Luke 9 is a, among other things, it's a, a text about listening. So that'll be kind of our theme. Um, I teach at the college, and uh, I find that a lot of people come, uh, come to Bible class or whatever I'm supposed to teach them, and they've got their box uh, of like jigsaw puzzle pieces. Uh, this is a metaphor, okay? So <laughs> jigsaw puzzle pieces. And like those pieces would be like different texts of the scripture. So, you know, I'm like, do you know the one about the lame man who's lowered through the roof? And they're like, oh yeah, this one, Mark 2, you know? Or like, do you know about the demon-possessed boy when Jesus comes down from the mountain? Oh yeah, Luke 9, I got that one. You know about the Ten Commandments and don't kill people and stuff? Oh yeah, Exodus 20, got that one. And it's just sort of, but it's just sort of a, just sort of loose pieces. And um, so one of the things that you try to do then as a teacher is like put the puzzle so they could see an image. And one of the things I appreciate about the uh, kind of the preaching method or, or style at, at uh, our church here is that the pastors will go through a whole series of these pieces in one book so that you get a, a picture of what this author under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit wants to tell you. You know, so this is what John wants to say or what Moses wants to say or whatever, and you, you get a picture. It's not just pieces. Um, and so I, I'm going to start by trying to catch us up from where we were a month or so ago before Christmas and some illness and things that Pastor mentioned. Uh, and then we'll, we'll get to the section that we're at because this, uh, this stuff about the demon and whatever is very exciting for people, but it's just a part of what Luke is wanting. So if you'll recall from way back when we started this project, uh, what Luke's after in his account of the gospel is a presentation of the words and deeds of Jesus that will make you more sure about this message that you've heard about Jesus. It's intended to promote a certain kind of certainty. And uh, that message is that there is a man who is God, Jesus, who came in the fullness of time and fulfillment of the scriptures to live a perfect life that we could not live on behalf of his people and that he died on the cross for our sins, shedding his blood, that he was buried, and that he raised the third day in fulfillment of the scriptures. That's the story. And so the idea here is that Luke's account of the gospel would just um, reinforce that by example and by image, by the way that he chooses to tell his story. And so when we're attending to the various pieces 
of Luke's story, the big picture is just that. Like we've, we're talking about Jesus in that story and celebrating its truth. And we're becoming increasingly more certain that this is the guy. So that's kind of what we're after in the book. Now, if you go to the beginning of Luke 9, which is where we kind of had been working through, um, what we find is that Jesus has sent out his disciples to do all sorts of interesting things, cast out demons, heal people, preach the kingdom of God, and, uh, and they do that. And uh, they come back, and it's uh, kind of unremarkable. Like, it doesn't really say anything about it. Just saying they came back. And then uh, there's this weird section with Herod in that. Uh, and the reason that's there is to, to show the provocation of their preaching. So people are beginning to try to ask this question, who's Jesus? And then people are proffering all manner of answers, right? So um, some people say that he's John. As reader of Luke, you know that it's not John because you got all about John at the very beginning. That's how Luke chooses to start. This is different than the other guys. Um, and then maybe he's Elijah. You know, Elijah hadn't died, so maybe, you know, Elijah, you know, like this. Um, that's, one of, that's one of the pieces everybody has. I mean, it's just very, <laughs> kind of surprising. Um, or maybe he's one of the other prophets who's risen. So the idea of resurrection is already there, right? I mean, it's in the air. But the idea is, well, maybe he's one of those guys from back then who's done it. Well, then the apostles are together with Jesus. They tell him all the stuff that they've done. That's great. There's all these people who've gathered around. They seem to show up wherever Jesus is. And Jesus says, why don't you feed them after he's been teaching? And the disciples, you know, they, uh, they're like, well, I mean, but there's a lot of them. And so they said, do you want us to go get food or, you know, I mean, we can't basically. And then so Jesus is like, okay, and then he feeds all these people. And everybody knows, everybody's got that piece. Everybody knows that story. So it's like, okay, great, he feeds people. But like, he did it and they couldn't. There's something the disciples can't do. So they're all sitting in groups of 50. They're all getting fed. Everything's great. There's stuff left over, right? And then his disciples uh, come to him and he asks them, uh, you know, who do the crowds say that I am? And you get the repetition of what we'd already seen in the chapter. Well, you know, John or Elijah or, you know, a prophet, you know, old prophet, something like that. And um, then he asks, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, the Messiah of God, Christ, the Christ of God. So that's God's anointed king, the guy we've been, the guy we've been waiting for, the guy that, like, all that's about. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a big claim. And it, but it passes over kind of unremarkably. Uh, and Jesus says yes in a very weird way, qu a very quizzical way, which is, right, I'm going to die after being delivered into hands of sinful men and be raised on the third day. That's what the scriptures say. So that's a yes, actually, to this confession. So as readers, we're going, okay, great. So the Christ. Um, and then he gives them some discipleship instructions about their life, which this is the part we have skipped, so we'll come back to that. And then he goes up onto a mountain with just three of them, Peter, James, and John. And he's talking there on the mountain, transfigured before them with Moses and Elijah, right? Okay, so he's not Elijah, because he's talking to Elijah. Like he's not Moses, because he's talking to Moses. He's not John, because Herod has his head. So like maybe this Christ of God was the right, was the right line. And uh, Peter, of course, the guy who's just gotten done heroically saying, you're the Christ of God, does, like, doesn't know what to do here. 
And um, he says, it's a good thing that we're here. We can make tents for you, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And Luke tells us, in case it's not clear to you as the reader, like, he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> and then uh, Luke has him, actually, it's ironic. Matthew does the same thing in Matthew 17. Uh, they have God interrupting Peter while he was still speaking. God speaks. And what he says is, this is my beloved son or my chosen one you might have. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And that's the, the first marker of that sort of thing. So he's been up here. He's been with his three of his guys. He's been kind of up away from the crowd. He comes down. The crowd is still there. And, uh, you know, he'll still put in to help someone. And that gets us to this section that we're in today. But it isn't like, okay, now we're going to talk about demons. It's part and parcel of one project. It's part of the same puzzle. And, you know, we want to be sure in that box that we've got the pieces of the puzzle, not the pieces of the puzzle plus other puzzle pieces that we just have somehow acquired. So let's look at this section together then, starting in 37. Now, it happened the next day when they'd come down from the mountain that there's a big crowd meets him. Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out saying, Teacher, I beg you, look on my son, for he's my only one. And this isn't the first time that's happened, right? In our section, as you'll recall, we've got an only child who's healed in chapter 7, verse 12. It happens in 842. It's happening again in 9. God is sending his only son, and he's helping all the other only begottens. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he cries out, and it convulses him with foam at his mouth, and then it leaves him only great, with great difficulty and, and bruises him or crushes him, or you might have destroys him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. So we're faced up again with something that the disciples cannot do. Last time, they were faced with something the disciples couldn't do at the feeding. We hear he's the Christ, and he's like, yes, I'm going to die at the hands of sinful men, be buried, and be resurrected the third day. And we see the same thing here. Jesus says in response to this, faithless and twisted generation, or you might have perverse, how long should I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him, that is the boy. And then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. And they didn't understand what he was saying. It was hidden from them that they might have perceived it, and they were afraid to ask him. So, uh, you know, the benefit of coming to second service is all the, uh, you know, analogies and jokes that didn't land at the first one. You're spared those. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I somehow became an uh, expert on demons, and that I regret it. And, uh, but e even if even if I had been asked, you know, speak about demons or something like that with this text in mind, I would not have because this isn't about demons. Our, our attention tends to be on the only child of this man, but it's supposed to be on the only son of God, and uh, that's the message that people are having a difficult time with as Luke sets out his gospel. 
it's really strange, I think, he says, hey, faithless and perverse generation or twisted generation. That is, people gone out the way who do not believe. And we've seen that already marked in this. So he's, these men have been sent out with power and authority for all demons, but they can't get this one. The crowds are asking, who is this man Jesus? And apparently they're not saying. And then they say the right thing and they're given this sort of instruction. Oh, yeah, right, I'm the one that will be killed and be raised again the third day, as the prophets teach. And the attitude is still like, oh, but maybe we shouldn't ask him about that. Let these words sink into your ears. Ooh, yeah, this is probably not something to ask him about. So uh, the, the heartbeat of this, as Luke is presenting it, is just that, that Jesus is the Son of God. That's, that's what the teaching is. And from our vantage, it's let this sink into your ears that he did die and was resurrected the third day for salvation. We might want it to be more colorful than that or have some other kinds of things or whatever, but I think that's in large part because this basic truth, which we think you know, we get when we're you know, knee-high in some cases, if we're blessed. I was a little taller. Um, you don't ever get past that. They don't graduate onto something else. There's not some greater, more peppy oomph or something like that, something more technicolor than Jesus is the Son of God. He's not like the Son of God or sort of a metaphor for healing. He's not a story we talk about because it will make it easier for us to have good relationships or find a spouse or something like that. This is actually it. He's the guy. We've found him. Not only have we been, at this point, rehearsed stories of him healing people with demons, which he's already done, and he's healed leprosy, and he's healed blindness, and he's healing people who can't walk, and he's stopped storms by talking, among uh, all other sorts of things, teaching with tremendous authority. It's just example of example of example of example to make you more sure this is really the guy we found him. We really did find the guy. This is Jesus. He's the Son of God. He has the authority that he has because he's God. He speaks the words of God because he's God. That's why he teaches with authority. He has control over the demons, not to pass it on to you, but because he's God. He can heal all illnesses because he's God. He's God. That's really the thrust of what's going on here. And that's consistent within the picture that Luke is painting. So who's these guys he's talking to on this mountain in the middle of the chapter? Moses and Elijah. It's like this. It says that the way that people should be talking, Hosea 6, is, oh, come and God will do this. After two days he will heal us. On the third day he will raise us up, and he will. That's really what it's about. And when he says perverse and faithless generation, that ought to strike you, I think, is like, uh, you know, it, it hurts in here in this region, right? Or maybe in this, in this region someplace. But that's, that's the idea. It's not like, cool, we know he's the son of God, so we're not dupes like them. Now, how do we do the demon stuff? Do you know that he's the son of God? That's the whole teaching. You never get past that. I've read 600 books on angels. The point of this passage is Jesus is the son of God. That's the point. And this doesn't go away in the book. At the end of the book, you've, after his resurrection, uh, as he's walking, he meets some men. And he asks what they're talking about, and they say, are you the only one that hasn't heard of these things? 
the things that are happening in these days, about Jesus of Nazareth. This is Luke 24. And that's kind of ironic since he is Jesus of Nazareth, right? About how he was a prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and the people. Well, almost, right? And he was given into the hands of the chief, uh, chief scribes and Pharisees, and they crucified him. But we thought he would be the one to restore the kingdom to Israel. And man, that was three days ago. And this is why he's exasperated coming down the mountain. Like, then it says that they couldn't see. It had been kept from them. And then he explains to them from Moses and the prophets all the things that were done concerning Christ. Moses and the prophets being the way to talk about the, the Old Testament. So this is the theme here. But part of the idea is, since Luke's presenting it to you under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we really found the guy. We found the son of the woman that we were looking for that we talked about just recently at Christmas. We found the offspring of Abraham to bless all nations. We found the son of David, the king eternal. We found the guy. It isn't hidden from you. It's in black print on white paper. And he's telling us that. And it isn't something to be treated as if we know that already. He really is that guy. And think of the kind of painful presentation of this. Uh, you probably remember a different story, one of your puzzle pieces, of a guy who went up on a mountain and there was a cloud and the voice of God and he came down and nobody got it. Like, that's intentional. This is really our guy. This is the prophet like Moses that we've waited for, Deuteronomy 18. And he's not just that guy. He speaks the words of God, not because he's God's prophet, but because he's God. So when we come to a text like this and we think, what should we do with it or something like that? Uh, it might feel cheap or whatever, but the idea is believe. Let these words sink into your ears. Jesus Christ died for your sins and was raised on the third day in fulfillment of the scriptures. That actually happened. And he hasn't hidden it from you. He's given it to people who can proclaim it. He's written it in the book. And he's got someone like Luke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit showing again and again and again and again and again, this is the guy we found the guy. And all you need to do is turn to him. Now, there is the colorful bit about the demons and, you know, hey, what do we do with that? And like, there's nothing in the New Testament about exorcism. I mean, you can count on two hands the number of times that we get a presentation. You could count on one if they're unique. That's not the point. The point is not this man's only son. It's that there are things the disciples cannot do. So I'll give you two points of application. I didn't say points of application last service, so you're getting better organization. <laughs> One of them is this. There are things that the disciples can't do. The, the heart of this thing is not the person who can present things well or somebody who helps you with your puzzle pieces or whatever, your favorite radio preacher or whoever it happens to be. The point is Jesus is the one that can do these things. He's the one that can heal these various sorts of diseases. He's the one that can deal with the principalities and powers. He's the one that can control the weather. He is God. And the one that you need is, is Jesus. I had a colleague at school um, saying, you know, we're dismayed because some, some people were kind of uh, like some, one of their favorite uh, Bible teachers on computer or something had denied the faith or something. And so they're questioning everything like that and kind of set to aside. And it's tragic and too, I mean, tragic that somebody would have in this position of questioning, but part of it is just this failure in the, the teaching ministry 
that, well, Jesus is actually the one, not the other people. I'm totally replaceable. The pastors are totally replaceable. Jesus is not replaceable. God has the one son, Jesus. So we ought to look to him and experience that and expect that and not whoever can kind of tickle our ears with what the passage might secretly mean. It's just this guy. The other thing is, if you look at the end of this, which is really shocking, if you think about the weight of the chapter leading up to this point, they didn't understand the saying and it was hidden from them so they didn't perceive it, so they were afraid to ask him about the saying. Like, don't do that. I tell students, you know, that in general, it's wrong when you're reading a narrative of scripture. You've understood it wrongly. If your main thing you do is you go, I'm going to imitate the good guy and I'm going to not imitate the bad guy. Generally, that's the wrong way to read narratives of scripture because it turns them into Aesop's fables or something like that. But I also say, you know, I would prefer you to imitate the good guy and not imitate the bad guy than the other way around. And if you're doing that, I mean, that's close. But if we're thinking about an application here for ourselves, we're not in the position that they're in. It's not being hidden from you. I'm telling you right now, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and he raised the full third day in fulfillment of the scriptures. It isn't hidden. So if there's questions about it, then like you should ask them. You shouldn't be afraid to ask them. It would be bizarre if you were afraid to ask them. You're being invited to ask them. You're being invited to approach the throne of grace by the call of the spirit of God and the preaching of the gospel. That's what Luke's all about. He's written this so that you would understand it more surely, so that it could be more certain, not so that it would be more obscure and difficult to understand. He could have done that. That's what the ministry was like in the day of Isaiah. But Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah, as you will know from earlier in Luke, where he said that he was. So if we have a question about this, like we should ask. He wants it to be known. And there's a back end of that too. Aside from the business about demons or whatever um, and healing and all these other kinds of um, spiritual things and whatever, like the message that they have to take, that they proclaim, that they explain in great detail with repetition is who Jesus is, that he died for your sins, and that you must trust him. There's a reason the other things are obscure. It's because they're not the main thing doesn't mean they're not important or they're not valuable or that they're not true or something like that, but that's not the main thing. And if you haven't gotten the main thing, there's no point in talking about this other kind of stuff. We've really found that guy. He's Jesus. And so if that's sort of stale or disappointing or something like that, it's not clear that you've listened. Like, this is the Son of God. Hear him. His apostle is telling us, let these words sink into your ears. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He has died for our sins. And any who come to him by faith will be saved. It's a lock. We've really found that guy. Now, let me say a word about the demons because uh, you'd be disappointed otherwise or someone will. I've had uh, like dozens and dozens of people talk to me about someone who had a demon, and they've never had one. And you might think with my kind of killjoy expression that that brought me happiness. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't. Uh, I, I would genuinely, at this point, I'm like, yeah, let's see one. <laughs> so 
I'm not saying that there aren't such things as demons or whatever. I'm saying you don't need to worry about them. You need to worry about looking at the Son of God. And if you encounter someone who happens to have a demon, feel free to tell the pastors, and I'll, I'll come. <laughs> okay? But that's, that's not what this is about. And it's so easy for us to treat with contempt something we've heard over and over and over again, and that's exactly the wrong posture our heart should have toward it. The posture of our heart should be an openness and a joy to see once again that we've really found that guy. The people that our generation has waited for for generations to see really did come and he really did do his work. And when we read the things that the apostles are having trouble understanding in anticipation, we know them because they've already happened and they've been reported to us by the more sure word of Scripture. And this one book, this Two Testament Christian Bible, refers to us in that way. We've really found that guy. That's the heart of our religion. It's the foundation. It's a lesson in first, second, third, fourth through 16th grades. And if you take more school than that, which you should not, that's what we study there too. He really is there. Let these words sink into our ears. The Son of Man was betrayed into the hands of men. He died and he raised the third day in fulfillment of the scriptures. It's true. Be more certain of it. It's pre presented clearly. You can ask questions about it. And you can tell everyone you know. Let's pray.